Luke chapter 8, and this afternoon we'll talk about a familiar story of Jesus stilling the storm, stilling storms. We know that uh, we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son is Jesus Christ. And he came to this earth to be born as a babe and to grow up as to be a man. But uh, what kind of person was he? What kind of person was God or was Jesus uh, when he was here on this earth? Well, he was a man who uh, was invited to weddings. Uh, he may have not uh, always... Uh, Gone to every wedding he was invited to, but he was invited to weddings, and he went to weddings. He was the kind of man to whom uh, you could come to question uh, with questions in the middle of the night. Uh, he didn't uh, um, get grouchy at someone because they were knocking on his door or anything like that. He was the kind of man who would uh, you could share your deepest secrets with, and without worrying that uh, you might shock him. Uh, he was the kind of man who went fishing. Uh, some of you liked, would like uh, the Lord to go fishing with you. Uh, maybe you'd c catch more fish. I don't know. But, uh, but he was willing to go fishing with a bunch of uh, rowdy Galileans who uh, accepted a dinner invitation to the... also accepted a dinner invitation to a, a known swindler. Uh, and he could sit at ease and talk to a woman of ill repute. So we have... This kind of uh, man, but of course he wasn't a man that was going to sin because he was God, the God-man, and he never did sin, but uh, uh, he was a man that you could uh, enjoy your, your time with, you could enjoy visiting with him, I'm sure. Well, we have this story here, uh, and I think this kind of shows another side of Jesus, probably not so familiar a side that uh, tended to make people uncomfortable when they uh, saw it. A side uh, that uh, uh, we might see in this passage in Luke chapter 8, and we'll look at verses 22 uh, through 25. Notice, the, uh, first of all, the reason for this story. In Luke uh, 8, 22, we read, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. Uh, now, there's a, another story, an amazing story, of uh, a man that lived much later. His name was George Mueller. And uh, it was probably one of the most amazing stories of a man of faith in the history of Christianity. And George Mueller was living deep in sin in England. He actually spent years of 1821 and 22 in jail. I don't know if you knew that or not. But uh, in 1825, he went to a mission and he heard the gospel. He believed in uh, Jesus Christ there. And he spent the next five years studying the word of God and then evangelizing others. In the year of 1830, he became the pastor of a church in England. Uh, he had a special heart for 
children, especially children who were poor. And the time that he had this burden, he really had no money. He had no house. He had no co-workers. All he had was a burden for children and his faith in God. And he became so convicted and so convinced that God wanted him to open a home for poor children, he made a decision to never beg people for money. Instead, he took his request to God, and by 1875, he had cared for 10,024 orphans. He had established 117 schools to offer Christian education to children, and he had preached to nearly 3 million people and handled nearly $8 million. I told you it was an amazing story. But George Mueller was a man of tremendous faith. He said, God delights to increase the faith of his children. We ought, instead of wanting no trials before victory, no exercise for patience, to be willing to take them from God's hand as a means, and I say and say it deliberately, trials, obstacles, difficulties, and sometimes defeats are the very food of faith. I think that's something to think about. What George Mueller learned is that faith is developed and strengthened in the difficulties and in the storms of life. And God uses rough waters, choppy storms, to develop and strengthen our faith. I think sometimes we think, boy, I hope I never go through that, or I hope I never have a, a hard time with, with my life. Yet that's the very thing that God might be wanting to use you to strengthen your faith. And that's what the disciples of Jesus Christ were about to learn. It's not during the smooth sailing moments of life when our faith is developed. Faith is developed when we're in the storms. And God will use difficult troubles and trials to develop and strengthen our faith in him. I think that is what's clearly seen in our uh, passage before us. And so we move on to a perilous storm. Verse 23. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Waters of Galilee were 680 feet below sea level. The lake measures 13 miles from north to south and surrounded by mountains. And this ring of mountains is broken by the Jordan River in the south and in the north by a narrow gorge to the north which winds its way 30 miles to the snow-capped heights of Mount Hermon. This gorge acts as a funnel for the winds that blow off the surrounding mountains. And when the cool air currents from the mountains come rushing down through the gorge and they collide with the heated air over the lake, the result is a violent storm. And Luke calls this a storm of wind. A storm of wind. And the boat was not designed for this kind of a storm. This was really not a seagoing vessel. It was a freshwater fishing boat that was designed for fishing upon the lake. And when it began to take on water, the disciples became fearful. 
And most of them probably did not know how to swim. I don't know that for sure. I'm kind of assuming that. But uh, uh, those that did thought, well, we're too far off ashore to be able to swim. So here you have a perilous storm. Thirdly, you have a royal rebuke. Verse 24. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Now all this time, we know the story that uh, Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. He wasn't faking it. He wasn't saying, oh, God, teach these guys a lesson. No, he, he was a man, and he got tired. But he was asleep. He was really exhausted, and uh, he had been sleeping throughout the entire storm. Um, I told somebody this morning, I didn't hear it rain last night. And she said, well, you're a man. As if uh, some of you ladies would be awake, you know. Anyway. The disciples should have taken their cue from Jesus. He is sleeping. He's relaxed in the situation. He's not pacing back and forth on the deck. He's not biting his nails. He's completely relaxed. And his disciples should have known that they could relax too. But again, this is here for us to learn a lesson concerning our own lives. Uh, some of you are people who go fishing and you take a boat out onto the lake. Some of us don't go fishing. We don't take boats on the lake, so we don't know what, what that's all about. But some of you might know that, what that's about more than I do. But I think we all know what some storms in our lives are. When there are things that come up, big problems, uh, major problems. Maybe it's physical uh, health or Maybe it's uh, financial, or maybe it's a, it's a relationship type of thing, or whatever it is, the, it's a big problem, and it becomes a storm in your life. Well, when you have those storms, you need to know something. God's not worried. God's not worried about your situation. <coughs> God's not biting his nails and saying, Oh, what, what, what are I going to do with that person? they got a big storm. Well... It's easy to say, but we don't have to worry either. But we do, don't we? See, it had been Jesus' idea to get in the boat, to sail across the, the sea there. <coughs> and the storm has come, and the disciples have forgotten that they'd followed Jesus. But when you follow Jesus, you don't have to worry about where you're going. If he is leading you, then he'll make certain you get there. By the way, if you have a storm in your life and you're not following Jesus, then you have every reason to be scared. Maybe scared to death. If you're not following Jesus, then death is the most terrifying thing in the world. And the one who created land and sea now stands up and rebukes his creation. Now why would Jesus do that? I think it was so that he might fulfill prophecy from the Old Testament. In Psalm 107, verse 23 
through 30, it says this. <coughs> Excuse me. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see uh, the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro, stagger like a drunken man, and are like at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh a storm, uh, maketh a, storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they are quiet, so he bringeth them down, or they bringeth them into their desired haven. That's in the Psalms. This is in the Gospel of Luke. So you see, what the Lord is doing, he's fulfilling prophecy. He's fulfilling something that was given over in the Psalms. And notice who it is that stilled the storm. It was the Lord, the God of Israel. And this is evidence for the deity of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's the one thing to, uh, uh, for the storm to be stilled, but it's another thing for the storm to obey uh, such a command. And so what he's doing here is fulfilling prophecy. Number four, a question of faith. Verse 25, And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Now, this is not a mere rhetorical question. When he asked them, Where is your faith? Jesus was pointing out that there was no need to be afraid. Once you believe in the love and the power of God, then you can weather any storm. These disciples had seen an abundance of miracles already. They had seen the power of God. They had, been, had seen the love and the compassion of God, and yet they lacked faith. So before we judge the disciples, maybe we should examine our own lives. After all, have we not seen the power of God and the love of God? Isn't it amazing how we can see that power and that love but then a storm comes and we forget about all that and we begin to worry and we begin to fret and we begin to say, oh, what are we going to do? Again, notice the reaction of the disciples. They're fearful and they're amazed. I have no doubt, but they had been fearful in the midst of the storm. But Luke does not tell us that. He tells us they were fearful now. The disciples had a sudden attack of Xenophobia, phobia. Get the name right. You know what that is, don't you? This is your um, vocabulary lesson this afternoon, okay? It's spelled X E N O P H O B I A. It's the fear of the unknown. People have a lot of phobias. Well, this is the fear of the unknown. They realize that Jesus is not a normal human being. He's different from the disciples. He is other than the rest of mankind. He's holy. He's set apart and different from the rest of his creation. Man's reaction to holiness and 
otherness of God is always fear. When we don't know something, we get afraid. You remember the reaction of Isaiah when he had his vision in Isaiah chapter 6? It's a familiar passage. Isaiah chapter 6 where uh, it says there in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. His train filled the temple, and above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. It was a glorious vision. It was a vision that, which took Isaiah into heaven, into the very throne room of God. And we are told, not told, the details of how Isaiah came to see this vision. Perhaps he had come to the temple of Jerusalem to worship, and while he was there, was given a glimpse of what the true temple of heaven would look like. And he sees God sitting upon the throne, and all around the throne are angels, and they comprise a royal bodyguard. They proclaim the holiness of our Creator. And what was Isaiah's reaction? In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5, it says, Isaiah said, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was filled with fear. And when he was confronted with the greatness of the gulf between himself and the Creator, he felt a great heaviness within Himself, And for the first time in his life, he realizes that it was to stand, what, was, what it was to stand in the presence of God. And these disciples in the boat or in the middle of a lake are feeling the same thing. Before they had been afraid of the storm, now they look on, on the Lord Jesus who has stilled the, the storm and they're filled with a different kind of fear. It's a fear of the Lord. And they do not know it, but they have just taken a step toward higher wisdom. Have you ever stopped to think what Jesus said about himself? He said, I am the vine. He said, I am the light. He said, I am the way. He said, I am the bread. I and the Father are one. Those are very important statements to realize about the Lord Jesus Christ. These are things he said about himself. And each one of, wherever, each one of those uh, statements are found are wonderful passages to study and to meditate on. No one in history has ever made such claims that Jesus did. Now, there are some things that he did. Jesus broke up every funeral he ever attended. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He restored healing to the deaf. And he stilled the raging storm. We see that here in this passage. You can't just view Jesus as just a mere man. He said that the only, only God is good. Either Jesus is God or else Jesus is not good. But you know there are some things that Jesus never did. Never confessed sin because he didn't have any. 
He never apologized. There was no need to apologize. He never admitted that he was wrong because he never was wrong. He never asked for advice. If you wanted advice, you'd go to him. And he never corrected any of his teachings. He didn't say, well, last, uh, last Sunday I taught you this, but I was wrong. Now, I might do that. I might, you know, say, you know, I've studied this a little deeper, and I said, I don't think I, I saw that quite right. And I might say, you know, I was wrong in that. But Jesus would never have to do that. In any other person, this would have been the height of arrogance if someone uh, was claiming to do these things, but for the one who can still the storm, it was the right thing. The disciples were afraid. Why? They had seen miracles. They had seen healings. They had seen demons cast out. But this was different. This time it involved them directly. This time they were in the boat and in the storm. So it happened to them. You know, it's one thing to hear the gospel and see the power of God. It's another thing to personally uh, be a part of the gospel through faith and have God work in your life. And one simple knowledge about one is simple about knowledge about God, but the other is to know Him personally. Now this passage ends up with a question. What manner of man is this? For He commandeth even the winds and the water, and, the, and they obey Him. And th it ends this way for a reason. It ends this way because you have to answer that question. Who is Jesus? If He's just a man, then you can... Ignore him. But if he's the Son of God, you must believe in him as your Lord and Savior. Now let me just finish this up with five very brief lessons here. The first lesson is that God's people have the responsibility to obey the word of God and does not exempt one from going into storms. You do not get an exemption from storms, okay? You might get an exemption for something in life, but not from storms. When we specifically are obeying God's word, we may find ourselves right in the middle of a storm, and when we do, we have nothing to fear, for our God is there with us. In fact, the Apostle Peter would later write that when we find ourselves in some strange storm or fiery trial, we can rejoice. Read that in 1 Peter chapter 4, I believe. We know the blessing by God and know God's will that He cares for us. Obedience does not exempt us from troubles and trials. Secondly, another lesson here, a dangerous storm. God's people who obey God's word may find themselves in the middle of a dangerous storm. That's what we see there in verse 23. It's a storm of wind, so much that they, their boat was filled with water. Being faithful to God may lead us into the middle of a storm. Perhaps that's where you are today. Perhaps you're facing a fiery storm of financial pressure. Perhaps you're facing a major lion of some health problem that looks like it gonna, it's going to devour you. Perhaps you feel like you're in this storm all by yourself. But know this, you're not in the storm by chance and you're not there alone. 
Steady, stay steady and faithful, and the Lord will see you through it. He might not eliminate it, but he'll see you through it. And then thirdly, drawing near the Lord. God's people should draw near to Jesus Christ when in the storms. That's what verse 24 is telling us. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Some people who find themselves in the storm, they get to running around talking to everybody but the Lord. When you're in a storm, you don't need to just tell everybody else about it. You need to tell God about it. And you, you, you know, there is a place, there's a time to seek some counsel. You can get counsel from other, place, other, other places, but go to the Lord. There's a place for careful thought, but nothing will replace getting close to the Lord. A fourth lesson, God's people should not doubt Jesus Christ went in the storms. In verse 24, he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the waters, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Now the word in that previous to that where it says, Master, we perish, that suggests that they thought they were going to they were going to be utterly destroyed, and Jesus was not going to do anything about it. Well, that's not good faith. That's crazy faith. When we find ourselves in the storms of life and we begin to think in ways that are totally, completely ridiculous, we can get so caught up with our problems and begin to question whether or not Jesus Christ really cares. God doesn't care for me. Well, you better read your Bible. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Amen. The disciples' lack of faith was not in the fact that they went to the Lord. It was in the fact that they doubted that he would help them. In a fifth lesson, in demonstrating faith, God's people should develop and demonstrate faith in Christ when in the storms. And that's what we find here in verse 25. Where is your faith? They, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Five lessons, I believe, that we can take from this very short, simple story. And it's here for a reason, so that we can learn how we are to respond to the storms of life. Let's pray.